the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I read this story some years ago about a little boy that was uh, overboard on a, on a boat, but he found a piece of rock, and in the night they frantically looked for this child and they feared the worst, but when the sun came up, they saw this boy had uh, clung to a rock and made it safely through the night and was eventually rescued. And they said, all night long in that cold water, uh, didn't you shake? He said, I did, but the rock I was holding on to never did. Now, with that, I welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians 2, and in verse 2, there's a word about not being shaken and not being troubled, because the rock to whom we cling is Jesus. Welcome to the program. Alex McFarland here. Uh, Jim Stanley is with us, and Devin Patrick on the the soundboard, and it is Exploring the Word. And Jim, you know, 2 Thessalonians is brief, just three chapters, but it's it's packed it's so rich with content that we need to hear today isn't it it sure is and you know sometimes it almost reads like three letters because it it seems like there's a salutation at the beginning of each chapter and a conclusion at the end of each chapter with a blessing there and so um, you know as we go into this today as we go into the second chapter there in verse two, as you mentioned, that you may not, that you be not sh- soon shaken. Before that, there is the word in the first, or in, uh, pardon me, Second Thessalonians two, verse one, that says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him." You know, there in in Romans twelve one. There is that word Paul uses, beseech. Almost literally, we beg you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, you know, in Romans 12, 1, we we beseech you. Um, Oh, my God, goodness, that verse just smooth left my brain, Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies, by the of, mercies God, of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I just had to roll the Rolodex around there and get started again. There you go. There, but, there you, uh, go. you know, it, it's almost, uh, the, when we look at the authors of Second Thessalonians, they are collectively begging us. And as we get into this, we'll see what it is they're talking about. Uh, because it's going to be a little bit more to do with the with the coming of Christ. And they wanted to assure people, and I think, Alex, this is very plausible today, where a lot of folks think that, you know, maybe the Lord's already come, or the Lord, and, and they missed it because of the way the world is. But isn't it interesting that, you know, 2,000 years ago, the apostle Paul was already telling people, you haven't missed it, he hasn't come yet? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's true. That, you know, Christ is coming, and time, as we know it, will one day come to an end. But as long as we're in this world, we're to live for the Lord. And, you know, I was just looking at the two different words from, you know, Romans 12, uh, but they both mean kind of the same thing. And it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. The word translated beg or we urge or we implore you, we call on you to stand for the Lord. Um, The word means to summon. Mm. And, you know, in uh, olden times, if if the troops were summoned to war, it might be with a sound of a trumpet. Or, you know, if the town crier went through the colonies, and they did when we had the American Revolution. I mean, different people, you know, two arms, two arms. The British are coming. Well, we as Christians, we need to summon the body of Christ. Amen. What, what are we summoning people to? Well, to stand for the Lord, to know what you believe, to proclaim truth, even to defend the faith. But we're summoning you also to be secure in Jesus. And Jim, I just want to say this, because I've gotten a little bit of correspondence. Look, I I get it. 
um, there's things going on around the world. My goodness, there's Afghanistan. There's the, the weather, the economy. But, friend, I want to tell you something. Don't be afraid. Amen. Jesus is in control. And, you know, the Bible 365 times says, fear not. And so uh, verse 2 is, is for our times today. We don't have to be shaken. The day of Christ is at hand, but we are in his hands. And in that, we rest comfortably, don't we? We sure do. And, you know, you you very, you very mentioned the hurricane and Hurricane Ida um, as it moved through. Uh, South Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana there. Um, Eight Days of Hope is going to be setting up in Mandeville, Louisiana. Now, Mandeville, if you are familiar with the geography, uh, you know that Lake Pontchartrain, that uh, New Orleans is on the, I guess, basically the south side of Lake Pontchartrain. And if you could see all the way across, then you would see into the community of Mandeville, because it's on the north side of Lake Pontchartrain, and that's where they're going to be setting up a shop there, and you can find out more information on that at 8daysofhope.com, 8daysofhope.com. And the reason I say that there is I don't want to distract from the Scripture, but one of the headlines today was that there will be many nights of darkness in New Orleans and in that part of Louisiana because of the damage that was done to the electrical grid there. Mm. Um, and so we, and here's the blessing of God, is that our radio station in Plaquemine, Louisiana, was taken down by the weather. It was taken off the air. And we didn't expect to get it back for a couple of weeks. But because the Lord blessed us, it's back on the air. And so we're Amen. actually able to send encouragement into those areas that, uh, we want to remind the people there, even though there may be darkness of, at night, the light of the world is still available. Amen. Praise God. Well, that that is good to know. I, I was not aware of that, but we, we thank God for that. And, um, hey, by the way, one thing I, I want to get back to Second Thessalonians 2. I know yesterday we were talking about a little bit of um, uh, Tupelo being in the, 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 the line of the weather coming in. How's that, Jim? Uh if it was bad, I never saw it. I I slept through it. I didn't see uh, much in the way of damage this morning, and so I think we were spared. I think it's one of those uh, things that the hurricane used most of its wrath there in South Louisiana, South Central Mississippi, uh, north part of the peninsula of Louisiana mm-hmm. there, and so uh, maybe some damage over as uh, into Alabama. But as it moved inward, it weakened quickly. And at one point, it had been uh, forecasted to be a tropical storm as it came through. And I've, you know, from the rain we saw here, and that's mm-hmm. not to say that it won't, a lot of other folks didn't get a lot of rain, but from the rain we saw here, it was more along the lines of a what they call a post tropical storm uh, or post tropical depression. You know, just the remnants is, is basically what we got. So we were very blessed here. And well, the, Lord, the Lord sustained us. Well, um, we praise God for that. In Second Thessalonians 2, 3, Paul issues a warning that to me, Jim, is a lot like Colossians 2, 8. Uh, I'll explain, but verse 3 of Second Thessalonians 2 says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, now this is the Antichrist, he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, verses 3 and 4 is talking about, I I believe, the coming of the Antichrist, Mm -hmm. and... uh, like in Colossians two eight, Colossians two eight says, "Do not, uh, don't let your mind be deceived, and don't be taken captive, or literally uh, defrauded by false teaching, the rudiments of the world." And Second Thessalonians uh, two three really uses the same type of thought: don't be deceived about the end times. Okay, there is going to be 
as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord, um, a falling away. Now, a lot has been written about what this falling away is, but in your English Bibles, and I know we're coming up on a break, but Gemma, I want to set this up and I want to get your response. The word in the Greek that in English is very often translated, there's going to be this falling away, is the word apostasia. And apostasy, what is that? Well, we know apostasy very often means false teaching. And it implies a defection, a turning away from something. And the root word, though, for apostasy is the word for riot Mm. or revolt. Now think about the falling away, falling away from truth, from church, from God. Jim, when I got saved in the 80s, um, and I began to read books, and I began to read theological journals, uh, there was debate over, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? And of course, he is. Mm-hmm. There was debate over the virgin birth. Well, is Isaiah seven fourteen true? And, and I began to realize 25, 30 years ago, there is this apostasy, this revolt against truth. But we're, and, and you tell me if we're having a falling away, folks, we're at a time when people will sue you if you don't acknowledge their transgenderism or homosexuality or uh, if you speak what is common sense. It might be called hate speech. Mm. So this apostasy, this falling away, this revolt, this riot where everybody adamantly believes just whatever in the world they want to believe, I think we might be seeing the signs of that, Jim. Oh, I agree. And, you know, the the way the Amplified Bible reads those two verses, it says, let no one in any way deceive or entrap you, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And then in brackets, that is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians, in bracket. Mm. And the man of lawlessness has revealed the son of destruction, bracket, the Antichrist, who is the one who is destined to be destroyed. That's a key part right there, Alex. And it's one of the reasons that Paul encourages us not to be, not to give way, not to lose hope, because we know uh, that the Antichrist, who is trying to set himself up as God, and in verse 4 says, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and so insolently above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he, being the Antichrist, actually enters and takes his seat in the temple of God, publicly proclaiming that he himself is God. Mm. But the, the point there is that even though he does all this, we as faithful Christians who do not partake in the apostasy or the rebellion or the falling away, that we stay true to the gospel because we know that God is sovereign. He is the beginning and the end, and the Antichrist is is the one who sets himself up to be destroyed. Uh, you know, one of the verses from the, from the Old Testament we talk about sometimes is that pride precedes a fall. It's mm. happened to Lucifer before, and it's going to happen again. Apologize for the stutter. Folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jim Stanley here with my brother Alex McFarlane, and we'll be back with more straight ahead. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Ava Malona, Assistant Secretary for Partnership and Engagement at the Department of Homeland Security. She advises on the impact of policies, regulations, processes, and actions on a variety of government and non-government organizations. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of listening to wise advice. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Ava Malona in her work for Homeland Security. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Join us in prayer during these difficult times in Afghanistan. Free guided prayer points are available now 
at pausetopray.org. How do you measure a counselor's wisdom? Dr. Tony Evans says that for some people, the scale is how much they think like you think. He'll explain why that metric doesn't work with Jesus, the wonderful counselor, as we spend two minutes with Tony. God's not going to counsel you if you already coming with your solution. See, some folk go to counselors to get an endorsement. Some folk go to counsel to get somebody to agree with them. They don't go to counsel to get counseling. They go to counseling to get an okay for the decision they've already made. And that's why if the counselor doesn't give them the decision that they've already made, they look for another counselor. And they will go from counsel to counsel to counsel until they find the agreeing one. If you come to the wonderful counselor and you've already got your decision made, you will get no new information from him. Because his knowledge is hidden from the proud. So if you already know it, why are you coming? So if you want the wonder of his counseling, if you want this name to work for you, then you are going to have to recognize that he knows more than you do about everything. He is a magnificent counselor, but only if you're coming to him to adjust what you think to what he says. Without that adjustment, he will be of no benefit to you. Wonderful Counselor is just one of the descriptive names used for Jesus in the Bible. There are more, and they reveal a lot about who Jesus is and how he wants to relate with us. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you Beyond the music Beyond the noise Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I was telling you these things? You know, Paul is a great encourager, Alex, and um, in verse 5 there, that's one of the things that he begins to say. And if you look back up, you know, he's reminding them of the things that he's told them before. He's doing that again now and I was thinking of that as Mercy Me was singing Word of God Speak and mm-hmm. uh, you know that's how we build ourselves up in the spirit is by literally immersing ourselves in the Word of God and in the worship of God because we know back and uh, I believe it was a psalm where it's it reminds us that if we are singing worship to the Lord the Lord himself literally sits down and rest upon the praises of his people. Well, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarland. We're in the second chapter of Second Thessalonians this afternoon. Encourage you to join us, and we are there right at verse 5. Alex, I got mm-hmm. an update. Uh, Brother okay. Bert went through the procedure fine, and mm-hmm. uh, it's still 50-50 whether he will be here or not, because, you know, if once Tomorrow. they uh, give you the anesthetic, Sometimes it's hard to rebound from that. Uh, at least it is for me. I'm a guy yeah. that likes sleep, though. Bert's a man of action. Uh, so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, ab- about a year ago, I had uh, two wisdom teeth extracted. Uh, they, I had to go to an oral surgeon way back. I have a big mouth and got the wisdom teeth way back there. And it was done about 8 in the morning. So I thought, you know, I've got plenty of time to wake up off of this anesthetic. And it, this is, you know, I don't know, a year, 13 months ago. But it got to be late in the afternoon. And I thought, you know what? Live radio is not what I need to be doing right now after that oral surgery. So I didn't, I didn't do it. So we'll, we'll see how fast Bert bounces back, right? But- that's right. We'll continue to be praying for him. Um, Alex, uh, you mentioned yesterday that truth for a new generation is coming up. And before we jump back in here to Second Thessalonians, give us a reminder on that and how folks can participate. Oh, thank you so much. You know, last night I got to speak at a, a youth pastor dinner, and um, uh, two members of the group Building 429 were there to do music, and I got up and gave an announcement for TNG, Truth for New Generation, and 
several guys came up and they said, oh my goodness, we listen to AFR. We are youth ministers. We love AFR. And so uh, it's exciting that people are coming. But October 15 through 17, everybody, we are doing an event in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I know we have a lot of listeners all around the Mid-Atlantic region. Jim, I thank God that uh, my assistant tells me we have people signed up right now from 14 U.S. states. Amen. Okay? October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, First Baptist Church. We are going to have an event. Um, I'll be there. Frank Turek will be there. Sandy Rios will be there in person. Bishop E.W. Jackson. Miki Addison is going to be sharing on video, big 20-foot video screens. Uh, but everybody else is there live in person. And here's what we're going to be doing, folks. We're going to be, yes, talking about biblical worldview. How do you defend your Christian faith? But we're going to be talking predominantly about a Christian response to the woke movement. How do you as a Christian stand for truth and effectively share the gospel with people? And subjects come up like critical race theory. And, and what about America and defending Christianity? Now, there's going to be main sessions. There's going to be sessions for teenagers. Mom and Dad, listen, you don't want your son and daughter to grow up in a Christian home, go away to the university and become an agnostic. So Truth For New Generation, it's coming. You can sign up now. We've got music by the award-winning Nashville Christian band, The Bird Songs. So go to my website, if you would, alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. It's going to be a phenomenal time of prayer, learning how to stand up for our Christian faith. And I want to say with all my heart, uh, this is our, our 48th major conference in 24 years. We could not do it without AFA. And Jim, I want to say thank you for allowing us to uh, bring in people like Sandy Rios and Frank Turek and others. And thank you for letting us promote on the radio because it really it, it's all about Jesus Christ for Amen. our nation and national revival. Amen. That's what our prayer is. Well, we are in Second Thessalonians, second chapter, verse five. It says, "Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, being talking about the Antichrist from being revealed? It is so that he will be revealed by his own appointed time." I'm, I apologize. Let me go back to the King James. I'm still in the Amplified. But uh, the word there, appointed time, uh, and even in King James it says, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. You know, Alex, yes. there was an appointed time when God spoke into the darkness and said, Let there be light. There was an appointed time when the archangel appeared to Mary and said that God, uh, the Holy Spirit would come and indwell in her and mm -hmm. would provide Christ as our Savior. So there's also an appointed time that God's going to tell his son to return here for those that believe. So there's an appointed time that the lawlessness, the man of lawlessness will be released too, isn't there? There is. There is. And Jim, I've, I've got to say, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is really amazing because when we, when we think about prophecy, in the New Testament, we think about the book of Revelation, obviously written by the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. But, but think about this, folks. Paul's conversion, Saul of Tarsus was converted on the road to Damascus, they, they think around 33 to 34 A.D., something like that. All right, so you can read about that um, in Acts 9. Paul is converted. Well, immediately after his conversion, he goes to the deserts of Arabia for three years to be taught by the Lord. And, you know, later on, Paul would say in Galatians, he said, the gospel I received, I did not learn it from man. Okay, so what's amazing to me is First and Second Thessalonians were among the very first things that Paul wrote uh, Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians, most scholars think, around 51 to 52 A.D., maybe as late as 54. But here's the thing. Paul had only gone to the city of Thessalonica for about a month, and he started three churches there. And he was in the synagogues preaching for three to four weeks. But here's all of that to say this. We're reading some of Paul's very first writings, the letter to the church at Rome wasn't written yet. 
uh, Romans is very technical, and Colossians, and First and Second Corinthians. And yet, the very first thing that Paul writes uh, from his very brief time in Thessalonica deals with end-time things, and he talks about, do you not remember I told you these things when I was with you? And this was just a few scant years after his conversion. Now, how did Paul, because he was brilliant, but how did he know about uh, the deity of Christ and the end times and the man of lawlessness and the mystery of iniquity uh, and the revealing of, of the Antichrist? How did he, because I mean, you think about it, Jim, five, six years into the Christian faith, we, we might still call somebody like that a baby Christian mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit of God had been his teacher. The Holy Spirit was mightily upon him. And I've got to believe that, um, you know, people talk about Paul went away to the Arabian Bible College in the deserts of Arabia. But the Holy Spirit of God showed Paul all these things. And Paul, even though, you know, he was only in Thessalonica a matter of weeks, he had taught them these things according to verse 5, hadn't he? He sure had. And, you know, when you see that, and Alex, I, I love the way you phrased that, Paul being taught by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that if we had the opportunity to spend three years in the desert to be taught by the Holy Spirit? I wonder how many of us would actually take advantage of that because it would be uncomfortable. But Paul did. And because of that, I think that's why, you know, we see the majority of the epistles in the New Testament are from Paul. Uh, It's because that God trusted him with his word by his spirit, and Paul proved to be faithful to that calling. And so I think that shows up in these works and and how they are written. Well, you you know, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and he had been taught by a very, very famous rabbi named Gamaliel. And so um, I was reading a a commentary on the book of Hebrews, and this relates to what we're talking about, but um, one commentator I read... um, said Paul certainly was one of the most literate men of his day. And when when you read the book of Hebrews, for example, and we don't know for sure that Paul wrote that, or maybe Paul and Luke wrote that, we don't know. But in the deserts of Arabia, Paul's intricate knowledge of Judaism, and the Apostle Paul, he knew the history, he knew the scriptures. Paul, in all likelihood, had the majority of the Old Testament committed to memory. But for three years in the desert, the Holy Spirit was his teacher. And don't you know, Jim, all those dots connected, and Paul would have said, okay, I get it. This is how Jesus is the Messiah, Mm. the fulfillment of all these things. So uh, I, I think it's not a stretch to say in the early church there might have not been another human on the planet as qualified to teach the Old Testament scriptures from a Christian perspective mm. like the Apostle Paul. That's and that's why stuff. the Holy Ghost could use him to write over half of our New Testament. That's good stuff. That's good teaching right there, Alex. Uh, thank you. And, Praise uh, the Lord. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, or pardon me, verse 7, For the mystery of, the, of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. I like how the King James phrases that, until he be taken out of the way. And mm. then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy him with the brightnesses of his coming. Did you have a comment, Alex? I'm sorry. Well, you know, in verse 7, uh, and I love the old King James uh, the word letteth or let mm-hmm. uh, it may be a bit confusing because really the word uh, means the restrainer. Um, in the Greek, uh, it's uh, the, the, the lawlessness is working until the one restraining at present is taken out of the way. Now, in our present season of history, what in this world or who really is restraining evil, the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? I mean, the world's a pretty pretty dangerous place anyway, but can you imagine if the restraining hand of the Holy Spirit was lifted 
Can you imagine how quickly this world would just descend into pandemonium? Mm. And that's what's going to happen. So verse 7, the one who is now restraining but will be taken out of the way, and not only is the Holy Spirit a restraining force, I think the family of God, the church, we stand for truth, and we're a restraining force of evil, too, against evil. And so uh, when the Holy Spirit is removed, the church is extracted, uh, it's, it's going to be dangerous here on planet Earth. Folks, you want to be ready, and you can be ready to go be with Christ before the great tribulation comes, and you, you get prepared by calling on the Lord and being saved. Amen. Verse 9 goes on to say, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe, that they should believe a lie. Alex, those three verses right there pack such a punch because if there's anything that hits us in this world the way that uh, men's beliefs right now are hitting us, it's almost like America is under a strong delusion. It's almost like the world is under a strong delusion. It goes back to something you said earlier. You know, when we look at the wickedness in this world, when we see the the genders being confused the way they are. It really is like the delusion is being released, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And you know what? Let me just say this. Um, we, I think we kind of take it for granted that we all know how to think and we know truth. Uh, Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. Uh, the way the The degree to which people believe falsehoods nowadays is really quite shocking. I mean, just look at the issue of transgenderism, Mm -hmm. Uh, the idea that by thinking about it, you could change your gender when uh, male and female, it goes down to the very DNA. I mean, it's, it's physical, not psychological. Gender is part of your physical structure. It's not what you think or, uh, but we are living in, in a time of delusion nowadays and it just shows me how much we are dependent on the, the, the merciful Holy Spirit to keep us on the pathway of truth. Jim, we're, we're more dependent on God to help our mind know truth than, than we even realize. Yes, sir. Um, and, and, you know, when we see that and when we see how those things are playing out, it gives us it's not a fear for me per se, but it's a fear for those who are in that delusion, who are living that delusion. And folks, this is uh, American Family Association, American Family Studios has a great resource to help people in that. And it's called In His Image. And I would strongly encourage you to share that with friends and family who who may be experiencing that delusion. Mm. Uh, I can't recommend anything. It's a great resource, by the way. All right, Alex, there's that music again. Uh, Folks, we're going to come back and wrap up the last part of uh, second chapter of second Thessalonians straight ahead on AFR. The five hard realities that I learned as a new Christian. One was just because someone says that they are a Christian doesn't mean that they will always act like that. Hard Realities Concerning Following Christ, an article by Wesley Wildman. We make mistakes or have setbacks or failures or even have sin in our own lives, and so sometimes we don't always live up to that standard, that goal of being like Christ. To read Wesley's article, visit afa.net forward slash the stand. Sandy Rios. A lot of black Americans are talking about how Black Lives Matter has uh, undermined the, the whole issue of racial injustice. Sandy Rios in the Morning delivers a level of wisdom and insight that's desperately needed during these uncertain times in America. Black, white, brown, all kinds of people are saying to themselves, something is wrong with this picture. 
Listen Monday through Friday from 7 until 8 Central here on American Family Radio. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 6, verse 45, Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. A man casually laced his conversation with his friends with profanity. As soon as he did, he said, Man, I'm sorry I said those things. That's not me. His friend then said, Well then, who is it? What does your speech say about you? Do you regularly use blasphemous, filthy, or ugly words? Jesus says that what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. When Jesus saves our souls, he also sanctifies our speech. Our words don't lie. They show who we really are. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Interesting that we have that uh, bring back uh, the music bumper there. Uh, that he's coming back again because that's the very thing we're talking about today in Second Thessalonians. Because we know he's coming. And uh, Alex, it, it really is a, a great way to wrap up the second chapter there. We're at verse 12, and it says that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And... I wanted. I want to make sure that I didn't leave. You, you didn't miss any comments that you wanted to share there before we get to the the benediction of chapter two. Oh well, you're so kind. You're so kind. You know, I, I love it. Concludes. You know that uh, the gospel. We've been called to the gospel, the glory of Jesus. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions or teachings which you've been taught whether by word or by our epistle. And it, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and God, our Father who loved us, who has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, establish you in every good work. Let me just comment on the uh, stand fast. In other words, consistency, um, obedience, don't follow what The teachings or traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Jim... There is the Word of God, and we are so grateful for it, the Bible. But then there are the people. See, Paul called himself a living epistle, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's a letter. And uh, the Word of God tells about Jesus, and we who know the Lord need to, by our life, show people Jesus too. And I think we can all remember people that have invested in us. And uh, we're who we are because of the truth of the gospel and we're who we are because of those who invested in us. Jim, I bet if uh, you could probably name some people that 
when you were young in your Christian walk, probably invested, and who you became as a minister of the gospel was due to people that imparted into you. Uh, that's true, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. And as you were thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking that very thing. Uh, but let me give the phone number so that folks can start getting their calls in. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. You know, uh, one of my earliest core officers was Robert and Carol Bagley. And mm. the Carol, I can honestly say, if it had not been for Carol Bagley, I most likely would not have finished high school when I was supposed to. Not that I wouldn't have finished, but I would have not finished on time. And uh, because she loved me enough that she made sure that I found my way to school because as I was getting into my later teens there at 17 and 18, I'll admit I was a little bit of a handful, but uh, it was one of those things that she cared enough that she invested in that young man. And mm. that was part of the reasons that one of the reasons that I went on into the minister's training there with the Salvation Army. Alex, there's mm. one other part here in the benediction that yes. I want to I remind folks about. There in verse 16, it says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. I think one of the reasons of that everlasting con consolation is because there's a good chance we're going to know some of those that believe the lie. Mm. And wow. we're going to know some of those that rejected Christ. And I think this bears witness to Revelation uh, where it says that God himself will wipe away every tear. You know, folks say there's no tears in heaven. There are going to be some. But then the God of consolation is going to wipe those tears away because of our faith in him. And we, we will look to him forever. And so, folks, if you know somebody that believes the lie, if you know someone that's living the lie, don't quit praying for them. Mm. Don't quit showing them love. Don't judge them. That's the job of someone else. And I mean mm. that. It's not up to us to judge. It's up to us to live and let folks see Christ in us. Would you agree amen. with that? Uh, one, one thousand percent. Amen. Amen. And you're right. That um, everlasting consolation or comfort, uh, it does speak to you know Revelation 2.14. In heaven, and yet God has some tears that He, um, Revelation twenty-one. I mean, uh, wiping those tears away, and so um, that you you nailed it, brother. And so let's just all those people that we care about, let's love them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think the Spirit of God can help us do that. Amen. All right, let's talk to Michael calling from Arkansas this afternoon. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. Um, I recently got introduced to a book I'd never heard of. I think they said it came from the Apocrypha, Second Ezra, or Second Ezra, and I was just curious if Alex was familiar with it and if the prophecies were legitimate. Uh, great question. Um, and, you know, Burden, I talk about this in the new book, uh, 100 Bible Questions and Answers. Um, we um, talk about this in the book. Um, there was this book called First Esdras that uh, was part of what was called the, the Apocrypha. This came after Malachi, but before Matthew. So there was a 400-year period, um, you know, after the conclusion of what we call the Old Testament, but before the beginning of the New Testament. And let me just say this, um, a lot of these what are called intertestamental books were never really viewed as scripture um, and sometimes people say well were they excluded from the Bible uh, no um, it was really in the 900s that uh, some of the Old Testament apocryphal writings were first considered uh, to be put on the par with scripture so so let me just say this um, in some of these, apocryphal books there there are some things that are 
kind of a curiosity, some things that are historically interesting, some things that are even a little bit inspiring, but they, they weren't ever by the Jews nor the early church viewed as Scripture. So when you read that, uh, understand that um, it's fine, as any Bible history is fine to, to read about, but it was never viewed as the Word of God, and it's not that there's some part of the Bible that's missing or something like that. The, uh, there are some prophecies, and sometimes it's called the Apocalypse of Ezra, um, and Esdras is a Greek way of pronouncing Ezra, a Hebrew word. Um, I wouldn't take it seriously like Bible prophecy, because it's really not part of the Bible. But we go into this more in depth in this book that's going to be offered uh, during Sherathon, which is coming up in October. October, what, uh, 12 through 14, I believe, isn't it, Jim? Yes, sir, that's correct. 12 through 14. So, um, historical curiosity, not really the inspired Word of God. All right. Hey, Michael, thanks for the call this afternoon. Uh, You know, Alex, in that, in a brief synopsis, and I know you mentioned it's going to be answered in the book, but explain just explain the canon uh, quickly, if you can, so that we can go to our next caller. But we want folks to understand why it wasn't included in the Scripture, too. Oh, great question. Well, canon is really a Latin word that means measuring stick. And whenever we say the canon of Scripture, C-A-N-O-N, we're talking about the books that comprise our Bible. Now, Genesis through Malachi is the Old Testament. And really, the, the canonicity of the, of the Old Testament books was never seriously questioned because the Jewish people were so meticulous about preserving the Word of God. And the scribes, they counted the letters of the manuscripts. And so um, even 220 to 250 years before the birth of Christ, they translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek. That's called the Septuagint. And surprise, surprise, what you've got in the Greek Old Testament is the very same Old Testament you've got. Uh, So Old Testament, never seriously questioned. The New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, the way the early church um, determined what books were canonical or part of the canon for the New Testament, and I mean, I believe that the miracle of the Holy Spirit guiding them, but some of the criteria was this. Was this book written by an apostle? In other words, one who had been with Jesus or seen the risen Jesus. Was the content harmonious with the rest of what we knew about God's Word and salvation? Uh, Was this uh, accepted by the larger church? And there were books that circulated that were rejected. And another thing was, did it have the, the hand of God, the power to bring people to Jesus and change lives. And your New Testament canon, Revelation was written about 95 A.D. What's amazing to me, by about 120 to 125, and some say as early as 115 A.D. So we're talking 20 to 25 years after the writing of John, the book of Revelation, the New Testament canon had been had been acknowledged and was being copied and compiled. Well, Jim, at a time without printing presses and there was Jewish, Greek, and Roman persecution, I think that's actually amazingly fast. Well, absolutely. It it's not like they had a word processor or a computer yeah. that they could do that. I mean that and as and again, you're talking about people who were meticulous with the handling of that word. Amen. Amen. So, bottom line, you can trust your Bible. All right, let's talk to David calling from Louisiana. David, welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I love you guys' show. I listen to it, try to at least almost every day. But uh, I was want to ask, and, and Alex can uh, chime in, um, the, you were talking about, as you were talking about uh, Thessalonians and studying Second Thessalonians and the uh, Antichrist, I've always had um I've always had uh you know questions about uh as it relates to Matthew 24 uh when Jesus is talking to the disciples about the the uh you know and they ask him about his second coming you know and in Matthew 24 I'm not sure what verse it is where it talks about uh, all these things and he says uh 
at the end of the tribulation. Uh, and I was just wondering if you could kind of clear that up as far as, uh, you know, uh, I've always kind of had the, the, the thinking that the church would go through most of the tribulation. And when it says the end of the tribulation, I'm just wondering if you could maybe clear that up. Well, good good question. Um, do you know what, uh, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, that unless those days be shortened, there would be no flesh saved, but for the elect's sake, they would be saved. Um, I really don't think, and this is verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Um, I think that... A lot of the converts during the tribulation time will be Jewish converts. And there, there's uh, the Bible talks about the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. So generally, there and again, we've said this before, but they're equally good godly people sometimes disagree on this. But Jim, as I understand it, the times of the Gentiles, largely the church age, and after the rapture, it's like the end of the times of, of the Gentiles, and most of the um, the converts during the tribulation will be Jewish converts because the 144,000 Jewish evangelists go forth. So when it's talking about Matthew 24, 29, uh, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They'll see the Son of Man coming in his glory. Um. I, I still don't think it's the church that goes through the tribulation. Now, there will be a lot of believers martyred by the minions of the Antichrist. But those that are still living at the end of the tribulation, that mourn, are going to be the unbelieving nations that have followed the Antichrist, and they're gathered at Armageddon, and there is the, the sound of the, the trumpet, and Christ comes victoriously. So... I, I hear you, but the Matthew 24, uh, 29 through 30. In fact, even 28 talks about the eagles gathering for the carcasses. I think we're talking about the unsaved armies of the Antichrist at the end of Armageddon. Mm. All right, David, thank you for the call this afternoon. Kathy, uh, I apologize. We're not going to have enough time to answer your question. If you would like to send that to word at AFR.net, that's word at AFR.net. We'll be happy to try and answer that for you on a program later or perhaps even return the email. We try to answer as many of those as we can. We really do. And some of those we save for programs that we're going to pre-record. So, Kathy, thank you for taking time out of your day to call this afternoon. You know, Alex, as we look toward tomorrow in the third chapter of Second Thessalonians, it's another one of those, like I'd said, it's almost kind of a chapter, a letter unto itself with the way that it's formatted. But when we think of the fact that there were three authors that are credited for Second Thessalonians, I think sometimes that makes a kind of sense, if you will. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's that. Alex, take us out. Well, folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. This is Jim Stanley and Alex McFarland. We appreciate you listening. You can uh, go to AFR.net and hear this show and many, many others archived and forward a link and share it. We encourage you to uh, tell somebody about Exploring the Word and the great programming of AFR, but most of all, tell somebody about Jesus. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.